please just continue to enjoy the goodness of God and we want to just continue to experience his presence. I might need this lectern. (laughs) I'm going to lean on that. God is great and God is good. Are we in agreement? God is great and God is good. God is the great almighty God, the great big God, the very, very big God (laughs) who created the universe and he is good to me. God is the personal God who is good to you, who makes himself known. The great big God of the universe is good to you. (laughs) Uh, Let's just repeat after me. God, you are great. God, you are good. God, you are great. God, you are good to me. And you pour out your goodness through me. Let me see more of your goodness and your greatness. (laughs) Yes. Holy Spirit, just ask that you just continue to wash over this place (laughs) this evening. That you continue just to saturate this building amongst us with your presence. Thank you, God, that you are good. (laughs) Ah. I, I love uh, God. Um, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's good to have that cleared up. Uh, I love the song, God, You're So Good. You're So Good to Me. Um, I've been singing that song since I was about five or six years old. I think. I don't know if anyone else has that in the... So, Glenn, Lorraine, back in the day, in the, in the youth centre in New Ash Green, we had that. But I think I was taught that by my parents. I remember singing that with my mum. Um, and, uh, and it's that very, very simple truth. You're so good. And 30-odd years on, it's not got any more complicated than that. It, it, it just hasn't. It is no more complicated than that. That God, you're so good. That is the simple truth which we proclaim. You don't need that much more than that, than than the goodness of God. And I think the increasing revelation of God's goodness and the manifest goodness that we can know know that in our own lives and see that poured out upon the earth is one of the great revelations that the Holy Spirit is breathing on planet earth at the moment. And we are just having great fun just tapping into that and going where he's going, of allowing God to alter our our rudder and steer us more and more into his goodness and into a greater expectation of the miraculous. And it's really, really simple to grasp. I'm going to go, I need the last slide of my PowerPoint. God changed the order. Um, where are we? <laughs> it turns out God's no respecter of PowerPoints. <laughs> At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. 
All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. I said it hasn't got any more complicated that it can be grasped by little children. <laughs> that God took things that people have tried to grasp by human intelligence and human understanding, or that people have tried to get through through their own workings and efforts and gone, no, you need to become like a little child. You need to approach God with a very, very simple faith of knowing that God is good. That you can know this from being a small child. I say, it's the same song I've been singing for 30 years now, and God's the same and God's good, and there is no limitation on the ability to grasp that by intellect or by human position or by human standing. There is simply the willingness to partner with, with God and to seek the revelation that he brings. We love it that Jesus Christ came to earth to reveal the Father, came to show this is what God is like. And he welcomed people and he said, you must become like a child and approach with a simple faith just to come and experience God. Blessed is anyone to whom Jesus has revealed the Father. Because whilst information is good, revelation is better. <laughs> and what you have experienced tonight cannot be given to you in any other way. You cannot get that by mere description, by being it written down. If someone else merely just tries to describe that to you or try to give you that experience just through human description, it can't be done. The Holy Spirit coming and bringing the revelation of God's character. Oh... <laughs> Should we just ask for more of that? Should we? Let's do that. <laughs> Hold out your hands. <laughs> and you say, Holy Spirit, <laughs> move amongst us. We pray for greater revelation <laughs> of God. We pray that you will open the eye, our eyes into the spiritual realms, Father. God, for encounters of you that go beyond just what can be understood, but what can only be imparted and given. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yeah. God, we, we choose to taste and see that you are good. We choose to just participate in that experience that we need just for ourselves of tasting of your goodness. Yes. Amen. Yeah. If any of you are here this morning, it's what Steph was preaching on. Taste and see that the Lord is good. That sense that you have to just come and experience it for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, you're experiencing that, aren't you? That's good. <laughs> and Steph had this brilliant illustration of uh, triple chocolate chip cookies. And that whilst you can have a triple chocolate cookie described to you, you can't really know its goodness until you have tasted it and tasted and seen it. And whilst you can have the goodness of God described to you, it is something that merely just has to be experienced and has to be known. And the, the glorious thing is 
God is in the process of making himself known on planet Earth and of making himself known increasingly in his greatness and his glory that this is an ever-increasing measure of his goodness and that this is an eternal measure that you will go from now through all of eternity experiencing the goodness of God and experiencing that in ever-increasing measure. Ah, and it's just, we just seek it just by revelation, by encounter. Ah, what have we had? In, in Matthew 16, um, yes, Matthew 16, verse 13, if you want to turn to it, don't worry too much, I'm going to read it. <laughs> ah. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea, he asked, his, <laughs> he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets, because there were varying people that had these varying theories about who Jesus was. Some of them have parallels today. So, you know, some, John the Baptist, some people mistake him for someone else. Others say Elijah, like a historical figure. They say this. Still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then Jesus says, well, what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. You can't have this by any other means. You can't get it that the depths of human understanding cannot describe that for you, that what you need is a greater revelation of Jesus. And so I say to you today, blessed are you, Eastgate, because this was revealed to you, not by human wisdom, but by the Father in heaven. And Holy Spirit is here. He is just bringing that revelation, that greater concept of his goodness. He's so good. <sighs> and he is bringing the miraculous amongst us, that increased expectation of the supernatural encounter and activity of God. The, the, the headline figure I had when I, when, when I was asking God, what did he want me to speak about tonight? It's just this sentence that keeps coming back to my, my mind. At the heart of the Christian faith is a miracle. Jesus is at the center, and it all started with a miracle. Jesus is at the absolute center, and we must never neglect the supernatural aspect of the Christian faith. That The Christian faith was initiated with a miracle. Jesus Christ, God incarnate, the virgin birth, miraculous, then the power of Jesus was demonstrated with miracles in his everyday life as he healed the sick, drove out demons, and raised the dead. And ultimately it was sealed with a miracle as Jesus rose from the dead, proclaiming that everlasting life was freely available to all who would follow him. And the message of Jesus was then preached among the nations, accompanied by signs and wonders to demonstrate the Spirit's power. And that's what we're still in the business of today, of demonstrating the goodness of God through the miraculous actions of God. Because it's never just been a philosophy, a way of life, or, or, or just good ideas. This is a life of encountering God 
and knowing his miraculous works amongst us, it, it, it can't be contained by human understanding. It, it, it just can't be. Christianity stands up to intellectual examination, but it can never be contained by it. Okay? God has given us brains, and we are to use them to know him, to enjoy him, and to advance the kingdom. And I love to study and to get to grips with the truths of the gospel and wrestle with scripture. And we are to do that. But we're always to do that partnering with Holy Spirit who brings that revelation. So that it is not beyond merely just information that we gather, but it is revelation of Jesus and it is deepening of relationship. I do believe the Christian faith can be appreciated in a scholastic sense, and I believe that it stands up to academic scrutiny. And I'll happily engage with anyone that has significant doubts over the truth of the message, but that's never going to convey the whole truth, because an infinite God can't be put in a box. And an infinite God is beyond the limits of our human understanding. And the miraculous, by, by its very nature goes against our natural understanding. They're outside the normal patterns of our experience. I've got a great quote from a guy called Ian Hutchinson. He's the professor of nuclear science and engineering at MIT. So a relatively academic gentleman. Uh, just a bit. <laughs> and uh, he says, Natural science describes the normal reproducible working of the world of nature. Indeed, the key meaning of nature, as Boyle emphasized, is the normal course of events. Miracles like the resurrection are inherently abnormal. <laughs> it does not take modern science to tell us that humans don't rise from the dead. People knew that perfectly well in the first century, just as they knew that the blind from birth don't as adults regain their sight or water doesn't instantly turn into wine. The truth is bigger than you think and more than just what we know. You know that you don't have to understand something for it to be true. I have no idea how my car works. I li literally clueless. I have a wonderful mechanic named Mick, which if any of you have read my dad's book, Unwrapping Lazarus, Mick is mentioned with very specifically in one of those chapters because he has literally tended the, the cars of my family for more than 30 years. Um, and, they, they, and he, Mick knows about cars. My family does not. <laughs> Uh, in fact, most of you that know our cars will, uh, may assume, and probably with some accuracy, that cars are not held in particularly high esteem in our family, in that I drive an 18-year-old Ford Fiesta. Um, and, uh, but merely if it goes from A to B, we're happy, and we trust that it does that. And if it doesn't, we take it to Mick, who understands it. <laughs> there is truth there. And it could be understood, and Mick understands it. I personally have no clue, but I trust that it is true and that Mick knows what he's doing, and I trust that my car works. Okay? And you don't always need to have that, um, that level of understanding to just acknowledge, this is true, and I'm going to see where this takes me. <laughs> see? You just have that sense of going, oh, well... I'm never going to be able to understand all of how this works. There is that element in Christianity that is described as the mystery, the mystery of the gospel. 
And the great thing is that this is never a, a mystery that is intended to hide things or reserve things for an elite. You get that sense sometimes when people talk about, oh, there being a mystery, that this is reserved for a secret society and that only a, a certain few are initiated into the, the knowledge that makes the mystery known. Whereas Paul says, no, I have travelled with the aim of making the mystery of the gospel known, that the mystery of <laughs> the amazing God who makes himself known on the earth through the incarnate Christ who died for our sins and rose from the dead. And we must never ever lose sight of that supernatural element that we don't come just to participate in a program and that you can't work this out just with your intellect. You should use your intellect and you should use it well, but you must always partner with it with Holy Spirit to keep encountering God, trusting that he is bigger than just your understanding. If you turn to 1 Timothy 3... Uh, 16, if you'd like to have it in your Bibles, or I'll pop it up on the screen. 3 verse 16, this is Paul writing. This may have been um, an early Christian creed or, or kind of a way that they had of teaching doctrine, of, uh, would have been repeated verbally, where he says, Beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. He appeared in the flesh was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, was taken up in glory. And there's that wonderful contrast, I think, here between what is seen and what is unseen. That there's the mystery and of true godliness. You interested in being truly godly? Great. Get on board with the mystery of it. <laughs> Get on board with the idea that it is more than just what you can see or observe. The Holy Spirit is at work amongst, you know, I'm speaking that you can hear my words audibly, but God is here doing other stuff that I can't do and convey, and you should be enjoying him as I am doing that. <laughs> so please carry on. <laughs> ah, <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> we've got both the seen and the unseen and you've almost got this passage is almost in, in, in couplets which um, in, in kind of pairs of phrases which make that wonderful contrast and I'll just highlight them to you it says he appeared in the, in the flesh and was vindicated by the spirit that Jesus lived as a man he had a human body he walked the earth he, he had the normal human experience he ate, drank, slept. He had friends, he was experienced. He engaged in conversation. He had parents. He was known that, they, that he appeared in the flesh, that he is a historical figure, that there is abundant evidence of the life of Jesus that is actually, that's, you know, past anything, you can't deny it that's there in historical record, both through the scriptures and through historians like Josephus. That Jesus was a real historical figure that is a man that walked the earth. But what was the ultimate sign of his authority? How was he vindicated? How was he shown and demonstrated to be the Son of God? It's by the action of the Holy Spirit that he demonstrated what it looked like to live a life on the earth fully dependent and fully uh, in tune with the Holy Spirit as he walked. 
And it was the Holy Spirit who demonstrated, who declared him with power to be the Son of God. And that you had Jesus, the man, who could be seen. But he was vindicated and empowered by the Holy Spirit, by the unseen God who moves amongst us, who filled Jesus and empowered him and through him did many miracles and who today fills us and fills this room. That we've got that, that you can look around this room right now and you can see the church, you can see one another. Take a, just, a, take, just take a look around and, and just take a moment just to bless someone next to you. Stick a hand on them. <laughs> just say, I really like you. <laughs> I'm glad you're here. This wouldn't have been the same without you. <laughs> and then trust, you know that there is more to that person than you can just see. <laughs> That they are a spiritual being who happens to have a body. (laughs) Start to speak life to their spirit. Just do it. Let's do it now. All right? Just (laughs) now. And ask Holy Spirit just to continue just to breathe amongst them. Because you've got Holy Spirit amongst. (sighs) You know that you've never met a mere mortal. I'm quoting C.S. Lewis here. You've never met a mere mortal. There's no such thing. (laughs) That the people sat around you now are eternal beings. (laughs) That you have the privilege of hugging or high-fiving or saying hi to someone who has an eternal destiny. (laughs) Who has a spirit that is eternal that you cannot see, but that is actually a greater reality than the physical nature that you can. And that you're going to spend eternity with these people. It's going to be fun. (laughs) (laughs) He appeared in the flesh and he was vindicated by the spirit. Ah, The seen and the unseen. He was seen by angels and he was preached among the nations. Jesus Christ has been preached among the nations. That there have been missionaries that have gone out. And visibly in ways that can be seen, that you had the early church that chose to set out and preach him across Europe and Africa and Asia and all of the known world at that time. And you had missionaries that sent out, people that you could observe and see, yes, these are ways in which the gospel was being preached. You've got that in the aspect that was seen. And then you've got the angelic realm. <laughs> Where Jesus was preached among the nations, but he was also seen by angels. And he was regarded by angels and worshipped by angels. And that that continues to this day. That we are partnering with the worship of heaven. That we partner with the angels. And that's not just something that we wait until we get to heaven to experience. They are joining in the party now. I'm fairly sure there's some in the room. (laughs) We were pretty sure about that earlier, weren't we? Yeah, because we think one of them may have floored us <laughs> earlier on. But you have the worship of Jesus. Right from the start, where at the birth of Jesus, you've got him worshipped by shepherds and wise men 
But then also there is this glorious choir of the heavenly army that manifests and shows itself on the earth and just sings glory to God in the highest. Do you want to become increasingly aware of that? Yeah, I do. I'm not someone who sees angels. I know there are some people who do. I normally sense them in other ways. Um, yeah, like being flawed, I guess. <laughs> other ways. It's a very good way. Um, uh, but I believe that we can get an increasing sense of angelic presence. And they, they are ministering spirits sent to serve, sent to service. And so, because people can get overly worried about, well, what are you doing seeking to, to know where angels are? And, and people can think, oh, you're getting, you're getting sidetracked and distracted from Jesus. And you're going, what? No, that, that's really not what angels do. <laughs> that, that's not their job. <laughs> they won't do that because they will direct all the glory to Jesus. They will merely bring a greater emphasis and experience of his glory and they will partner with you in the kingdom exploits that you are doing. So God, we just ask, we ask for an increased revelation of the heavenly realms and of what you're doing and of angelic activity amongst us in this place and in our daily lives. Thank you, God, that we get to go to work accompanied by angels. (laughs) We get to go home accompanied by angels who are just going to be working with us and bringing the manifest kingdom of God wherever we go. They are looking to partner with us. We thank you for the privilege that we have of being your messengers, your kingdom on this earth expressed through us. And we just ask for a greater expectation of the heavenly realms that and the authority that we bring Thank you, Jesus. And then finally, so we're talking the seen and the unseen. That he was believed on in the world and then he was taken up in glory. That there is this life and then there's the next. That what you see in this life is only partial. That Jesus lived an absolute, full human life. And he said, I have come that you may have life and life to the full. What does that look like? It looks like knowing Jesus. It looks like a relationship with him. That Jesus was believed on in the world. That in his time when he was incarnate on the earth, lived as a man, that he was believed on, that he brought the kingdom of God wherever he went, and people then believed. And then he was taken up in glory and he returned to heaven where he sits at the right hand of the Father and all authority has been given to him. Guess what he did with that authority? Empowered you. (laughs) That you are his feet, his hands on planet earth. That you just get to be bringing the kingdom full of the Holy Spirit and that you have the hope, not just for this life, that you are more than just of this world, that you experience God's goodness in the world, but you know that this is only merely the, the smallest fraction of your life. 
to quote more, more C.S. Lewis, I love the bit at the end of the last battle, I think I've quoted it before, where it says they realised that their whole life at that point had been only the first page of the first chapter of the first book. <laughs> Hallelujah indeed. <laughs> that eternity is a very long time. Um, and that we have a heavenly reality that we look forward to, that Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I love how matter-of-fact he is about this. He said, in my father's house, there are many rooms. If it wasn't so, I wouldn't have told you. He's very, mad- <laughs> He's very straightforward about this. <laughs> he just said, look, 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 I wouldn't be telling you this if it wasn't true. There are a lot of rooms, and I've prepared one for each one of you. You're ever wondering what your heavenly dwelling is going to look like? I think that's going to be fun. That uh, in 2 Corinthians, it talks about this current life being merely just like a tent, like a a temporary dwelling, that one day we are welcomed into eternal dwellings and we are welcomed into our permanent home when Jesus brings heaven back to earth. We look forward to that. As, eternal, uh, as an eternal reality. So, uh, Dad has touched on this. Oh, sorry, when I say Dad, I'm not talking about my Heavenly Father. I'm talking about, actually, my, my dad, Pete. He, he preaches here as well. <laughs> um, uh, but he's touched on this in, in previous weeks. When he says, Proverbs 3, 5, 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Now, the good thing is, it says, it it, it doesn't uh, downplay understanding. It doesn't say, don't try and understand. There are many of you that think, I like to understand more. That's good, you should. You should seek to get to grips with this. You should seek to get a greater increase in, yeah, your your knowledge of God, but also trusting that you don't rely just on that. That just on your own understanding, on your, on your own current experience, that you don't rely on just what you know already. That you should value what you know, and you should increase what you know, but that shouldn't be the basis for just how you live your life. That that shouldn't be what you lean on, that you should be led by the Spirit. That is more than just your own understanding. That's not our starting place for what we rely on. That's just the opportunity for God to grow it further. What we shouldn't do as well is, is rely on our own experience. Saying, well, God did it this way last time, so he will do it this way again. God's creative. God's spontaneous. And God is bigger than you think. Okay? also comes when we're tackling, when we're overcoming disappointment. I tried this before, it didn't work. That doesn't mean it won't work in the future. What we're seeking is that adventure with God of just walking with him. Never saying, right, I understand God and then I can stop. Saying, hey God, what are you going to show me today? What What am I going to know of you today? How can I know you more today? What are you going to reveal to me? What are the new glories that you're going to show? What is the new awareness that you're going to bring of the heaven reality in which I live? That we don't, we don't 
don't rely on just what we know, what we've experienced, and what we can understand. That God is beyond understanding, and that we just come to him simply with faith. That's it. Faith is basically trusting in God. All we're doing is trusting him. And we're trusting his character, which is unchanging. The ways of God change, and he does things in many, many different ways. But what we do know is that there are things that are constant, and that is the character of God. So let's, let's, um, let, let's finish by uh, declaring some of the, the, the character of God again, as we did at the start. You happy to say after me? God, you are good. God, you are great. God, you are good to me. Let's just wait just a moment. Let's just ask Holy Spirit just to come and bring revelation. Just a greater experience of him. Uh, and, And a greater sense of his reality.